You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McCuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Uh, apologies for the... Now, I know last week uh, we had terrible sound issues with the Benny Boot podcast. I hope uh, I hope you managed to, to get something good out of that. It was a great little interview, but I did have a couple of, uh, a couple of people email to say parts of it were inaudible. All I can offer you is my apologies. We did the best we could with the terrible audio situation, which was entirely my fault. Uh, a lot of you have also said you liked it, so presumably some of you can hear it. That's good. Um, a tiny, tiny apology this time, nothing like so big. There's a little bit of a tinging of a flag in the background. We recorded this uh, this episode you're about to listen to uh, with the wonderful Milo McCabe. Uh, we recorded it uh, next to the Mersey, and there are some flagpoles with uh, lines on them that occasionally pinged. Uh, I think whenever it got too much, we'd pick up and scuttle off and move somewhere else. So shouldn't be too much of a problem. Uh, I'm really excited about this. We've got two or three big subjects that we really get our teeth into uh, and some things that uh, have never come up on the podcast before. So here we go. This is the wonderful Milo McCabe. So Milo, we're sitting here uh, outside the uh, Liverpool Echo Arena. Yeah. Uh, because it's the only place we could find that was a bit quiet. Yeah. Uh, we're both performing at Baby Blue this weekend, Fabulous yep. Club in Liverpool. How was last night? Last night was great fun. Uh, they, were, they were a little bit, they took a little bit of prodding, a little bit of poking, but they got there in the end. Okay. I reckon. Okay. So, what do you mean by any of those things? Let's get straight yeah, into right, finding cool. the reality between that. It's a very casual thing you can cool. say as a comic. What, what do you mean? Let, break, break it down last night. Were well, you... I, when I come on, I've, I, I present something a little bit different, um, being a character comic, and I look a bit different, I act a bit different, and sometimes it, people will go with that straight away, and other times they take a couple of minutes to adjust, and there's sometimes that people just will decide in the first minute that they don't like this guy with a possible fake moustache and a, a Wilkinson's fleece who's just bounded onto the stage, and they're not going to like him regardless. But yeah, I think sometimes if you do something a bit different in stand-up, you have to, you have to face sort of confusion and you know someone who's expecting a kind of a more mainstream act 
Okay. The crowd is expecting. Do you think? Do you think that that their their decision is being made in a different way to if they see, a, you know, any comic? I mean, anyone walking on stage sometimes. I mean, I find I walk on and people might decide, ah, we're not going to go with this. Yeah. Do you think that's different? Do you think it's more so when you're a character? Possibly because there's that pigeonhole thing. It's like a real old comedy principle, isn't it? The audience makes their mind up about you in the first 30 seconds. Um, and when you come on, you're a nice, good-looking guy, like people who go, right, I know where to fit this guy. But I think if certain character comics come on, they might not have a prior frame of reference. They might not have a pre-designated pigeonhole. And then they just go, ah, well, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, but they didn't last night. They went with it. I yeah, think it was no, a great gig. It was really good fun. It was it was really good fun. So the character that you're doing now is called Philberto. Yeah. This is this is a character I've seen you do for years. As long as I've known you, yeah. you've been doing Philberto. Yeah. Um, let's. I tell you what. Before we get into him, let's just do a little potted history of how you got into comedy oh shit it's weird and I'm I'm going on a well trodden path so I'll I'll personalise it I'll look into your (laughs) I'll look into your eyes and I'll I'll mean it I'll tell you I'll mean every way so basically my dad is is, he's a stand up he still is a stand up when I was a kid I kind of saw this as an impossible dream because he put it across that he was an incredibly talented person who who was in this job and he was so lucky and I was really proud of the fact that I had a dad who was a stand up now never in a million years would I have thought that's something I could could do but as I got older I felt like I wanted to perform in some way and started playing the drums and so on and got into a bit of acting but I ne- still never thought I could do stand-up so I'll fast forward a few years I'm a drummer in a cover band and the guy runs a comedy club and I say to him look if I set up another night uh, using all your PA and everything uh, can I can I run that and yeah so I started running my own comedy night through this guy there's a company called Raw With Laughter I don't think they go anymore but they used to work and they used to run a gig out of Collier's Woods yeah yeah sure um, so eventually I said look can I compare it to this guy can I compare it and he was like no you should be awful and I was like oh come on and then he gave me a shot and it was dreadful okay. but I decided I liked it and then um, I remember I got my first laugh my first big laugh and I'll never ever forget it and it was a dreadful joke it was okay. a dreadful what, what was the joke um, I was doing an impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger it wasn't even a joke man it's just one of those <laughs> dreadful things you know when you see like an open mic act get away with something that you know is dreadful but gets a massive laugh and you kind of shake your head and you go oh, you see you're getting a laugh there but what you're doing is so wrong Sure. I had a, a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger mask and I cut eye holes in it and, and did an impression of him and it related to some something that was in the press at the time and I got this laugh and I was so surprised and I was buzzing my ass off and I drove home and told my dad and he wasn't interested, right? And this is the thing. Ever since I've been related, you know, involved in comedy at all, talking to my dad about gigs is like talking to another comic about gigs. He only wants to hear about the bad ones. Ah, he is not okay. interested. There's no solidarity. He's, I think he's a bit disgruntled he won't admit this but when I became, started becoming a comedian I think he'd, he'd like to think he was the only one and sure. I don't know he, he wouldn't have wanted someone yeah, as the, a measuring stick against how he did yes okay I think that's how he saw the, the it, risk yeah. your kid could do better than you exactly in your, in your very very specific field okay so what sort of circuit was your dad on he was he was basically he was on the same he was on, he's on the same circuit I'll tell you he was on his circuit early days uh, Phil Butler Jeff Stevenson uh, there were people on my dad's circuit who remembers no Terry Alderton really when they were mega young okay. it was that 
there was that holiday camps, working men's club, gotcha. old school circuit. Okay. The circuit where if there was another comic on the bill, you had to show up to watch their set to see which gags they were doing. Yeah. In case there was crossover. Yes. Okay. Because everyone dipped into the pool. Okay. Basically. Yeah. And so that that was all very odd. And then it, I had this agent who I used to book acts through, um, Paul Dudridge. And I used to have a, lot, a, a real joke with the agent, a laugh, a girl called Vess, a lady called Vess, who used to book the acts. And then one day she came, she goes, why don't you do stand-up? And so I went, all right, well, I'll have a go. You've still did, got me mask with the eyes. Yeah, yeah, I've still, yeah, I, no, I but I, I got even worse. <laughs> I had a Michael Jackson mask and I had a little piece of music I mimed to. It was fucking horrendous. It sounds horrendous. It was, <laughs> It was. But, do you know, we got that cheap laugh and I thought, yeah, you laugh, that'll do. So what, what was, what, I suppose what I'm trying to ask is, what possessed you to put, uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger mask on. Why, what, is Not that what you thought comedy was? Fucking idea. Had I mean, you seen any other? Had no, you seen any alternative no, comedy no. or anything? You, you had you seen, seen your dad? Yeah, I'd seen my dad like, okay. like loads of times. I mean, I'd seen I'd seen Phil Nickel. I saw him do an hour at the Crack Comedy Club in about 2002 and it was I was going out with this girl and I brought her along and it fucked comedy for her because that was the first gig she saw yeah. and if you can imagine Phil Nickel at the height of his powers destroying that room mm-hmm. for an hour mm. and nobody wanted him to stop and he, res- he wrestled a girl on stage and he improvised and yeah, okay. it was just cr- just crazy in the moment like mind blowing stuff okay. um, and I'd seen acts like that and I knew that was what I liked it's weird I mean I think now I used to get masks on and it, I, not to sound pretentious which I'm good at I'm going to say it but it's almost like a metaphor for becoming a character straight away it's yes, like I'm, okay. I'm grasping for something to cover myself up with sure. on stage right at sort of minute from one. the off from you the don't off. want to be you yeah exactly exactly why I, not why don't you want to be you because I don't think I'm very funny it's weird I've always found it easier doing stand up with an accent I've always found it easier doing it with a persona um, it might be that uh, I've always had the idea and I don't know if this is true or not it's just quite convenient but I'm like a white middle class guy from Surrey I've got no axe to grind do you know what I mean yeah, what sure. I've got going for me is like uh, a, a vague a vaguely sort of uneasy relationship with a borderline narcissistic father that's you know if I didn't have that I'd be an accountant okay. or something I'd be okay. nowhere near comedy so I don't so you, you I mean you subscribe to that idea that a comedian has to have a God problem yeah. to be a comedian god yeah I mean I've got that line about why, why should you have the, the piss taken out of you from this guy this emotionally retarded guy and I think we all are in certain ways um, to do what we do it's cliche but I think it's true but okay let's 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 just there's loads and loads of things to, to, to yeah, sort right. of focus on there let's just pick at that yeah. and just find out how true that is do you think that every single other comedian you know has got some sort of wounded part to them that makes them do it like every single one do you think I, there aren't I any happy comedians most of the good ones do Okay. Right? But there's one comedian I know who's literally the happiest dude in the world, and I can't, and that's Kai Humphreys. And it's yeah. like, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's ridiculous. He's like a walking good vibe zone. Yeah, he's sure. amazing. And I can't see that bloke having, he's got no issues whatsoever. So he flies against that because he's a very, very good comic. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but most good comics I know, yeah, I'd say there's some little bizarre need or drive. You know that that that, that 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 puts them in this like my but, but don't you but what I'm what I'm getting at is and I'm not I'm not trying to convince you to not be a character actor here yeah, but yeah. I, it's interesting to hear that you don't that you don't think you could be up there because you don't have enough problems to be up there I mean you're, I, you're up yeah, there so you if you if you're saying that you've got to have problems to be up there you've clearly got them because you're up there yeah I I think yeah that's a good point I think uh, there's something about doing a character that enables me to get more to be more honest in a bizarre way like uh, I, I had um, 
I tried to break into the store for ages, the comedy store, and I did about six tens, and I was smashing the tens, and then eventually Don got me in this room, and he wasn't really booking character acts, and I was about to mm. give up. And then all of a sudden, he booked a couple of character acts and we became regular, you know, store mm. people, and this is a few years back. And he said to me, why are you doing a character? And I, I kind of, I was in his room, I don't know if you've been in his room, with the, the bank of I TVs, the no, power okay. centre. It was crazy. And I said, well, in a, in, a, in a way, I can actually be more honest through being a character, is I can drop any kind of worries or social graces or anything I can actually use the fact that I'm being a character to, to so kind of unlock yourself yeah okay yeah if you like that's how I've always experienced it and the, you know because when I've done previews and I've had to go on before someone just introduce them at the beginning I, everything I've learned has just fallen away and I've just been a, a ridiculous kind of um a ridiculous like mannequin spouting things and 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 going right back to the very very start and not having a clue what I was doing and it's quite remarkable and then I could go on in character okay. and all that experience and learning and knowledge and stuff comes back okay you know. so really as a, as a have you is it only in uh, presenting other people that you've ever been yourself have you I, ever I just been off, my low I started off doing me but I was dreadful I was uh, I was. I think that's when I first met you I oh, think I met you at a, a Christian no I'm not, it's not that you being dreadful that's reminded me I'm just thinking yeah. that the, the first time I met you I think was a Christian Knowles gig in somewhere like Folkestone somewhere yeah. around that sort of area yeah, yeah. backstage in it's coming back to me it's the place where they do prawn crackers in, in yeah. baskets on the tables yeah um, I can't it, it's some the name escapes me but some, town, it's a seasidey it? sort of a gig yeah, yeah I, remember. In, I remember in a nightclub and I think were you doing yourself back then I feel probably, like you were probably I mean I, I, I look back at my material back then I kind of wince a little bit and it's it's like I was I was getting away with it and I'd walk away going oh I got away with that you know and I, I, it, it was an act and I remember one act actually told me to give up um, nice at a certain point well I've since gigged with them and they've apologised oh that's good okay. sort of, it's all come round full circle and they've actually said they were wrong okay. but I, you know I said to someone a car journey back from Leeds a gig I'd stunk up because I didn't have a clue what I was doing and I said look have you got any he goes really do you want me to give you advice and I'm like yeah give me advice and honestly yeah I'm going to be brutal okay I can deal with it I don't think you should do comedy and I was like oh, oh my god but it was but it was such a because like Part of me becoming a comedian was fuck you, dad. Yeah, well, a, yeah, it sounds a, like a lot of it yeah, was fuck it you, was, dad. Yeah, it was. That was um, that was another little thing to go right. Fuck you, unnamed comedian. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, that's another one. I'm having that. Um, and the thing is, is now like at the time I was, you know, I had a, I was pissed off at my dad whatever I have a great relationship with him now it's lovely mm. but yeah there was a lot of it it was like hey you know I, I idolised this guy like my whole life and I always felt like I had to do something to get noticed and mm. I was doing it and then he kind of ah yeah you know no, 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 yeah, what? What do you no, mean? No, I, I, yeah, I feel like I'm getting indulgent, but then we're, no, 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 we're having an interview. It's so all about that's you. That's the fucking In, point. Indulge yourself, go um, on. I would sort of feel like, right, Dad, look, I'm doing comedy, look, look. And he was kind of being a bit like, you know, it was like me talking to my dad about my gay, good gigs. It was a bit like comics we all know who yeah. go into green rooms and go, I smashed this gig, I smashed that gig, and everyone's just like, oh, all right, nice one, you know, whatever. Well... Basically, I, I was kind of looked at. I was, you know, uh, right, I'm going to go right back. I remember when I was 16, uh, we had a house drama competition in school. And uh, I, won, I won Best Actor. And the only thing that meant anything to me was the fact that my dad was there. Yeah. Right? That was all that meant anything to me. And then when I came out, I had this trophy. And he was, he was sort of stood there. And I went, um, you know, well, and this was his moment, like, 
to, to sort of this is my the well guy done, I son. hero worshipped yeah. his chance to, and he said you know when they said McCabe I thought they were talking about me oh I was my like, god dad yeah. and that was the first time I saw that little chink in his eye I was like what how could you not have given me that yeah, you know, and and yeah. and so that kind of I think carried on, and that was a, a big part of me sort of fighting to get his. But it's weird. It's almost in a way. It's like being with a really experienced comedian that you respect and trying to get their respect by telling them how well you've done at gigs. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? okay. Which is never going to work. We know what that's like now. Uh, yeah, I've that's been there. Far yeah. enough in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, why do you think that you're? I mean, obviously he's your dad, but yeah. do you think the fact because he was a comedian dad, mm. that made him more, I don't know, that made that you needed his approval? I mean, did he give you approval in other aspects of your life? Um, no, the thing is, and I've noticed this about comics in general, is that he, he's a very young guy in his head. I think a lot of comics are very, very young men, regardless of their actual age. Yeah, OK. You know, and uh, he's not... He, you know, he's, he's kind of always a, he was always a fun guy, but he was never one of those sort of dad dads, like, teaching me stuff. He was kind of like a funny, funny dad. Do you know what I mean? Yes, And okay. I see that... I think I see that in quite a lot of... Not all comics, though, you know. I mean, there's... Uh, but I, I see that generally. I think comedians generally stay more youthful I mean look at the comics and it, it goes to looks as well like look at the comics on the circuit it was so much older than you would think they would yes, be including yes, okay. you and me yeah obviously <laughs> he's been sort of pickled he's been pickled in the social nature of this job that means you don't have to wake up in the morning you know it's, it's, it's yeah it is stressful you wake up and it's not just 20 minutes work because you're thinking about a gig all day that mm -hmm. you know it's, mm -hmm. there's a lot more mental ballast to it but it's quite a youthful job. I think you can be studenty. You can be studenty. Yeah. 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 I mean, look at Simon Fielder. He's like whatever he is, thirty-three, and he looks about nineteen. And yeah. He, he kind of dresses it too, but he gets away with it. Yeah. He pulls it off. Not when I'm there. I give him shit about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk then. If the, if you you want to be a comedian like your dad but no. not like your dad god no 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 dad's dad's very mainstream dad's very old school he didn't really write any of his own jokes sure i remember going, what, what i mean is you want to be a comedian because your dad was a comedian of a different sort you're you're you're, you're striving to win his approval yeah do you think that's still the case no it was for a long time and it went past that and i don't know if you found that but there was a point early this year when I actually woke up and I went, do you know what? I'm, I'm not getting away with this. I'm mm. not doing something because my dad... I'm actually really good at this. And it's being confident enough to say to yourself, J I'm supposed to be doing this. This is, you know... And as the years go by and you rack up experience, you get better, you know, you hit eight years, nine years, you start working things out, you start, you, your reflexes start start getting really finely tuned, like yeah, martial okay. arts, martial artist muscles, and you sort of, you, you go, yeah, at a certain point, you go, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I am good, I'm really yeah. good, I'm supposed to be doing I, this. I had a similar moment, a similar but different moment, maybe a year ago, when I suddenly realised that whatever it was I've been trying to prove to all the kids at school exactly. when I was 11, whatever that was, I've proved it, mm -hmm. and I, that none of them are aware of it yeah. because they're not here anymore and they don't yeah. exist anymore. Those now I, I, that eleven-year-old me doesn't exist anymore, but but whatever it was, I've proved it. Yeah. So now, if I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep going for me. Exactly. 
exactly and I, I it's funny as you say that because I'm wondering if a lot of people drop off in comedy at the point where they hit that and they have nothing to work for anymore I, it's interesting I've never that idea of having nothing to nothing to work for is a good proof. way of articulate that yeah. because I've I've said on the show before that you know you you can give up comedy yeah. but I think if I ever stop doing comedy it won't be giving up it'll be because I've completed it yeah so I think some people complete comedy how can you complete comedy no I mean in the sense of you complete your engagement oh, right. with it. do you yeah. know what I mean I don't I think you've done all of it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing left to learn yeah. but, but what I mean is like rather than giving up actually if you have been using it to to make yourself happy yeah. and then you realise that you are happy and you no longer need to use it then maybe you'll decide to do something more sociable and done can you imagine I, I try and imagine a world without those car journeys without the adrenaline without the big rush without the massive payoff without the interesting people and I can't I can't picture a world when I'm not doing yes that. yes I suppose I've got a I've got a sort of a future in my head of like I don't know a little doing pottery in a little shack in Cornwall for some reason those are the things that are in my head none of those things would work in real life no, I'd do it for would. two days and i go what am I doing Where, you know get me on a car get me, yeah, on, a, get me yeah. on a mega bus to Cardiff <laughs> So some great stuff here from Milo. He did brilliantly on on the Friday night in, at Baby Blue in Liverpool where we were working that weekend. Uh, and on the Saturday after this conversation, and I'm not taking responsibility for it by saying that, um, he absolutely took the roof off. I, I, I'm so excited to see how people develop around me. I remember watching Milo years ago and now he's, I mean, as of that gig on Saturday, he's really started channeling that kind of Terry Alderton improvisational madness where anything could happen. And he's really open to possibilities. He's really live. He's really in it, um, as well as having some great, crazy material as well. So uh, lots more to hear from Milo. Um, also, listen to the end because uh, he's got an Edinburgh show coming up, which he's plugging. Uh, and also... Um, he talks about neuro-linguistic programming later on in the show, which we've not had before, and that is absolutely fascinating. So uh, listen out for that. Now, promotional things. I have um, some more dates to add. Remember last week I told you Brendan Burns is on the 3rd of August and Greg Proops is on the 5th. The reason I'm telling you the specific dates is if you go to the edfringe.com website or, or gildedballoon.co.uk for the Edinburgh shows, they don't say on the websites... Uh, who is on which show. So only you guys, only the people connected to the podcast or Facebook or Twitter or, or so forth, only you guys are going to know uh, in advance of the festival who's on which show. That's important because every one of these gigs could potentially sell out. We've only got 100 tickets for each one and every one of these is an absolute A-grade headliner. So by I, I just didn't know if I was making that clear before. The reason I'm making a big fuss about telling you these dates is as soon as they're publicly available, like to everybody... Uh, I'm expecting lots of these to, to sell out. So get in quick to Brendan Burns on the 3rd of August, Greg Proops on the 5th. And now, those are the ones I've already told you, now this is the first week's guests. I'm going to run through them briefly here, but you can see them on the website at comedianscomedian.com. This is the first week, just the first week at this stage of, uh, of the Edinburgh run. Saturday the 3rd, Brendan Burns. Sunday the 4th, David Baddiel. Unbelievable. I cannot wait for that one. Nor, well, I mean, all of these are good, but Monday the 5th, Greg Proops, as you know. Tuesday the 6th, the superb Phil Nickel, who we mentioned in this very episode. Wednesday the 7th, Tony Law. Again, I just, I mean, I, I came in halfway through his career. He was brilliant then and he's brilliant now in a completely different and very, very engaging way. Thursday the 8th, Andrew Maxwell, who has done some of the most adventurous 
comedy gigs <laughs> anywhere. I think he's done some incredible stuff. A very, very funny man. And these dates, these dates I'm not even putting on the website yet. These are just for you to say thanks for uh, listening to the podcast on a, a regular weekly basis. Uh, Thursday the 15th, Tim Vine. Actual Tim Vine. Friday the 16th, actual Ed Byrne. Saturday the 17th, the wonderful Susan Kalman. And a special day on Tuesday the 20th, Sarah Millican returns to the Comedian's Comedian. And she is going to be live for the first time. I'll be asking you for new questions you'd like to ask her to expand on some of the things we talked about last time. She's done so much and is so (laughs) hugely nerdy about comedy that um, I'm sure we can get loads and loads of great stuff out of uh, a second visit from Sarah Millican. So uh, that's all of that stuff. Uh, coffitivity.com I was sent by a wonderful comedian who uh, I, who came over to the UK a little while ago but who I met in Australia uh, called Matt Grantham and uh, he was listening to the Carl Donnelly podcast and you remember Carl was talking about uh, beta waves and all sorts of things, the- theta waves uh, and ways of distracting your brain by playing music whilst you're writing uh, Matt has sent us a link to coffitivity.com which creates, and this is in quotes creates the atmosphere of a coffee club but at home, I don't know what a coffee club is. I think it means a calf. I actually had it on in the background for a little bit, and it was uh, it was it wasn't unpleasant actually. It was kind of quite good. Just a little bit of sort of uh, general bustle in the background makes you feel a bit less like a lonely weirdo. The four finalists for the tribute comics challenge are now up on the ComCom Facebook page. Uh, so you can vote by visiting the Facebook group or you can follow the link to that group on comedianscomedian.com, my homepage. I've picked four finalists. I love them all. One of them is my favourite, but I'm not going to tell you which one it is. This is a public vote. The winner gets two tickets to the live Edinburgh ComCom show of their choice. The finalists are Laurel and Hardley, Beta K, Benny Reboot and Bill Cosplay. So uh, those are up to you. That's a public vote. Get stuck in. Uh, finally, great little bit of news. I have booked Mr. Richard Herring for uh, not for one of the Edinburgh live shows, but for a pre-Edinburgh, uh, pre-recorded podcast. I'm going to go round Mr. Herring's house, and I'm going Mr. Herring. I don't even. know, It feels weird calling him Richard. I know he, he goes by Rich, but um, he is someone that I have just been uh, an embarrassingly big fan of since I was an adolescent. And I've been working up the courage to even email him. I think I wrote the email about four times, deleted it, wrote again. Um, he's super up for it. So I'm going to go around his house sometime in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and before Edinburgh, uh, it'd be nice if I could make it episode 50 because he's a bit of a podfather. We'll see how that goes. I don't know if I've got enough time to do that before Edinburgh. But very, very excited, Richard Herring. And uh, I'm... Oh, that's just reminded me. Ah, yes, there's someone else I want to get on it that is that is just legendary that I, I won't say his name now because I haven't asked him yet. But very, very excited about that. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Let's get back to this conversation recorded in Liverpool last weekend with the wonderful Milo McCabe. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Let's talk about Filberto. You've done a bunch of other characters yeah your most successful one the one that's your bread and butter really the one yeah. that you do in the clubs 
is Filberto, who yeah. uh, variously, I mean, I, I, I described him to my friend yesterday pre-show as he's a failed Portuguese reality TV show. He's yeah. a, no, he's a he's a Portuguese failed reality TV show star. Yeah. Is that still the case? No. Okay, so when when was that? And uh, let, let's talk about who Filberto was when you started and the journey that he went on. This started off. I got a Portuguese flatmate in two thousand and five. Okay. And the thing that fascinated me about him is his bizarre infatuation with the tiny, tiny, relatively important, unimportant things like, like Bob's. The phrase "Bob's your uncle" had him captivated for two weeks, and I loved how how seriously he took it. Like. Yeah. Firstly, I went for, por- for a Portuguese character on the basis that English audiences aren't going to know as many stereotypes yes, about okay. Portuguese. But so you go like, it's an open book. All they know is Jose Mourinho, and, and what can you tell about him? Yeah. Um, the accent is very different over the regions as well. It can sound a bit Eastern European. Yes. And, and I was fascinated with, with my flatmate, and so eventually, I just decided to do a character. And the first time I did it was at Hard Bloody Heart. Um, about 2000, late 2006, I was working with Roger Monkhouse and Paul Tonkinson. I was doing a five of stuff I'd written that day, and it went better than any stand-up I'd done to that point. And Roger okay. Monkhouse said, that's got legs, that's really good, well done, keep going with that. And I was exhilarated. Um, over time, uh, I remember one comic saying to me, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Another comic saying to me, "What's the what, what, what's the point of what you do?" Another comic saying to me, "It's a bit disingenuous because you're presenting comedy from a purported second language, so people are going to presume it's cleverer than it is." And all of those things. <sighs> Fucking hell! Sounds know, like you've had quite a lot of. N- I have less the less than useful criticism. Well, I don't know, man, because I listen to everything. Because I think as a comic, like you have to open your ears to everything. Like it's not necessarily spiteful. It's got you know some of it's okay. got a point. And I think, okay. And I, I think to myself, like, I, I, I take responsibility for being bad. I take responsibility for, for the fact, you know, for having bad gigs, whatever. It's all on me. What can I change? What can I do? So I take those things. I, I try and be objective about them. And eventually I've gone, what am, I, what am I actually trying to say with this? I don't know. So I started doing this other character, this actor character called Troy Hawk. And... Like, I was in a situation where people would just presume I was Filberto at gigs, and sometimes if I wanted to get out of the club quickly, I'd just keep the accent going. Yeah, okay. I remember with Paul Chowdhury, like, in Camden, a highlight about two years ago, he was just like, just keep it going, man, just keep it going, just keep it going. And so we were sitting there chatting to this group of people, and he made me stay in character for, like, half an hour. It's <laughs> <Okay>. excruciating. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, what the hell? So I got this new character, this Troy Hawk guy. He's like David Niven, but in, in today's society. And what's happened now is Filberto is now the creation of Troy Hawk. Okay. So I go on, and I'm a character playing a character. Now, most gigs, you didn't see it last night, because um, I, up in Liverpool, I like to play around a bit. But what I normally do is revert back to this act, actor character at the end. And for me, it's a good mechanic to get two characters in one Yes, gig, I see. That's uh, a great in a idea. Logical, sort of, a lo- in, in quite a, a logical fashion. Okay. Um, so it's, it's this guy putting on a character, and then he reveals himself at the end. Yes. But of course, neither. But that's not a revelation, because... Yeah. Well, it is a revelation, but it's not a true one because it's, yeah. it's, you're not you're never you. Okay. I, I, I did okay. it at the store a few weeks ago though, and Don said, "Oh, it's nice to see you come out of character." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, "Thanks, Don. Lovely." Because <laughs> you never really question lovely anything that man says, but yeah. So let's talk about how you write material, yeah. or how you to what 
Oh, you improvise quite a lot, don't you? Yeah. Well, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the influence of Phil yes, in, in a bit. Gotcha. We'll get on to that, because I yeah. know that's a, that's a sort of big thing in a minute. But, um, but in terms of how you started out, how were you writing when you first started out with Phil Berto? Uh, how was I writing? Um, well, I, I, it's, it sucks, actually, because I'd, I, I actually got, like, 15 minutes of stuff, and I went, great, and I didn't move off it for years, and I really should have done and um, I, I had that complacency, that laziness. You know, I, I, I wrote a set out of necessity for writing a set, and I wrote that, and that necessity made me write the set. There's that Louis C.K. principle, obviously, of dumping your closing routine, and then by necessity, you will write one. I did mm. take the hard road for a couple of years. I was just perfectly happy doing stand-up, not improving, and just doing well at gigs and stuff. And then it got to the stage, I was like, Christ, I have to change this up. I Is that you? I mean, are you being are you being hard on yourself? Now? Yeah, because I am. The, the, but you the have stuff to be, that you I were think. doing was working, and it, part of the job is to get rebooked, isn't it? With yeah, but but you got. I think as a comic, you have to keep challenging yourself. You have to keep, you know, like it, it's all about being as funny as you possibly can be. And if you rest on your laurels, I mean, God, look at the guys that never changed the material for years. They turn up dead eyed. They hate the job. Yeah, that well, is a byproduct yeah. of not being brave enough to really mix up your stuff. Yeah, but it's it's easy to say that, but it's hard to do and it, you've yeah. got to do it in the right places yeah um, so what 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 basically I started improvising a lot and now what I do if I'm closing or I'm on late I get to gig early get every detail I can about the crowd and try and spin it into a, a rap yes uh, impromptu sort yes. of do okay. on, on the, in the moment and what happens is there are certain variables that come up by every gig so I, I, I was almost, thinking last night with the student yeah there's always that, a student so that's a, that's a pre-written yeah, bit the student. that bit is a pre-written bit about a okay. student I've got pre-written bits and I want to get, I want to, get to the stage where I've got things a little couplet about every variable set will just look like I'm a freestyling genius but it will be smoke and mirrors gotcha. because it would have been a little library in my head built okay. up of experiences okay. in yeah. previous gigs yeah so I got that and then and then what I found is the Phil Burgers uh, thing that was really interesting for me because like we were talking about yesterday look at the crowd if they're digging what you're doing drop what you had planned and just keep doing that thing yeah we should we just say for the benefit of the listener you and I were both in the same workshop yeah. with, uh, with Phil and some yeah. other comics who I don't want to and name and you were, in case you were so. gutted when you saw me because you said I really wanted to have this horrible death experience without any other comics yeah, absolutely and at that stage I didn't have a clue what you were talking about <laughs> Jesus I found out hard so well, let, let's just let's let's slow down. Let's talk about what your experience of that workshop was. Because oh, we, we've done I've done a podcast with Phil, yeah, and it's it's uh, invited a lot. I've had a lot of emails in support of it, and a lot of emails by people angry that he seems to not like or get or understand stand up. Really, um, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of really, yeah. Well, listen, listen to it because he's he's fairly cutting about stand up as an art, and I think he I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he finds it frustrating to have stand-ups in his clown classes because there's so much more to strip away people yeah, yeah. have such bigger preconceptions about yeah. what their their inner funny is and yeah. those preconceptions aren't necessarily correct but t- tell me about your experience of it well we'll, we'll go, going and pre- in pretend I wasn't there because well, <laughs> I, I know I was there but let's just yeah. so, so that it's so it's clear for everyone I was gutted you were there because I kind of like I didn't want you or anyone else I knew to be there and I kind of had a feeling that someone that I knew would be there what, what made you go first what why made did I you, go why did you go uh, I loved the show and I loved what he was doing and I think there's something to that I, kn- I knew that he came from Goliere I knew that Sasha Baron came from Goliere 
that you know and many big other character guy people. big character you're a fan guy. of his eh? yeah, yeah not so much recently man I didn't like the last film it's fallen off for me a little bit but that principle the, the inner idiot thing was really mm. attractive mm. to me I really liked that idea just that phrase inner idiot get in touch with the inner idiot so um, I, I, I went along and there's exercise and, thing, and I thought to myself I'll be good at this I will be good at this and as it, as it turned out the people who were stand-ups who had experience didn't get it the way that people who weren't stand-ups uh, I mean there was this French guy in our class who didn't have a clue what was going on and he, mm. he was trying to fight everything mm. but he was absolutely I had tears running down my eyes he, he was, was the most funny, unintentionally he? hilarious man I've ever seen in my life and, and he was arguing with Phil like from minute one yes. about what was I almost thought he was a plant he was that <laughs> but he was just like a little French businessman who, 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 who saw clowns and Goliere and went yeah I love a bit of that yeah but, but I, I had a, my experience really came to a head in that when he goes right you're a pizza guy you have to do your good pizza show and to explain it more fully he, he puts you in this situation where within about 40 seconds of being on stage you've got nothing and he sets up the situation so that you're screwed basically and where do you go from there and how do you react to it and that's the nub of, of what he's, he's getting at sure. so I thought right I do a foreign character for a living this is going to be pisses <laughs> <laughs> so I went on and it was the most horrendous death experience the most horribly uncomfortable and I mean and I've died at Gilfest <laughs> like in front of 50 stoned suntan like hippies just you know and one guy even said to me, I've missed UB40 for this. <laughs> it was the most horrendous experience of my life. And even that wasn't as bad as that pizza man experience. It was just the worst, loneliest minute I've ever spent on stage. And it haunted me that night. And I came back determined to be better. But then you can't do that with that course. And I, I think I was crap the next day. So the well. harder you try, the harder you try, the worse, you, the get. worse you fuck up. And it wasn't until. I was, I'd really, I, everything I did was horrendous. And then the last day I was up with this guy and I did one tiny thing that I just got one little glimpse of what he was talking about. And I did it and I felt it. And it was just like a little ray of sunshine peeking through then going away again. And I went, oh my God, that's it. That, that, what just happened? How do you bottle that? You can't. That's fucking, it's just organic. And what was it, what was it about that moment? Was it that you genuine? was it that you stopped thinking you knew what you were doing? Were you, what, what was different in... It was a reaction. It was a reaction. Um, and it was so, if I explain it, it won't sound funny. But no, 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 okay, I will go, explain go, go for it. it but... But, but when I did it, it got this huge laugh. And so I went, oh, man, that's so simple, but so difficult. We had this thing where I, I, I when you do your, your little whatever you do with someone else, your little clowny thing, like to explain, Phil Burgers, Dr. Brown, has got a dustbin lid and a little plastic golf club. And if you're crap, he bangs it once. And if you're boring him, he bangs it twice. If he bangs it three times, you're done. And you've got a walk of shame back and you <laughs> failed. <coughs> And he tells you you're horrible and boring and you deserved it. So me and this guy got our second knock and I panicked and I, I pretended to knock on a door and I stamped my foot. It was just an instant reaction and he opened the door and we had our thing and then we just stood there going, oh shit, what do we do now? And then he went to knock on the door and instead of answering it, I pretended 
to peel back like a tent and crawl through a hole and hide myself <laughs> away from him that. while he was waiting at the door. Yeah. And it was that, I just felt that little mechanic of that. I didn't plan it. I had no idea I was going to do it. I reacted in the moment and it just struck me at that moment. And there was a huge laugh. And literally no one had laughed at anything I'd done for two and a half days. Yeah. And I got that little, and I went, oh, that's it, that's it. That and, and, what, what, what the, and the it was that you had just improvised successfully or that you surprised yourself maybe with what you were going to do? I surprised myself and I, I didn't know... It's, it's such a... This, the, the tantalising thing about this course, it just dangles the, the answer in front of you mm. and then pulls it away. Mm. It, 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 it wasn't an attempt to be funny. It was just sort of being... You're not trying to be funny. It's just being in the moment. It's just, what am I going to do? I'll do something different. I have to react. Bang. There's no thought involved. Yeah. It's like you're being powered by your subconscious. And I think, generally speaking... Of, well, I think people's subconscious minds are, um, of course, like thousands of times funnier than their conscious sure, minds. Sure, sure. Because there's no intent. There's just reaction and there's just sort of a, you know, it's like a chemical thing, isn't it? You know, when someone is sincere and honest on stage, mm. you just laugh because mm. it's, it's, it's an instant chemical transaction yes. between... Yes, uh, And it's the, the truth, isn't it? It, it tends to be the truth yeah. of that person. I remember a clown exercise years ago that I did with a guy called Marcello Magni mm. um, where he uh, he got everyone to go out of the room. No, he said he's, he, he was playing the part of the teacher. He was quite clowny in his teaching. Yeah. He said, I'm the teacher. I'll go out of the room and you must not swear. No swearing. Yeah. And he walked out of the room and we all stood there on our own like, without the teacher in the room going, what, what, what's all this? And then someone kind of went, fuck. <laughs> and we all had a laugh. And then yeah. someone else swore and someone else swore. Then he burst back in. He said, who was swearing? And I, without thinking, immediately pointed at the person who'd done it. And it was funny and everyone laughed. It was funny because it was an honest... I'm honestly a grass. Like, that's my impetus yeah. is it, what, I, don't, I don't want to be in trouble it was that person yeah. immediately and it, 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 it rang true and it wasn't yeah. anything I'd planned yeah. so, so let's talk about how you're putting that that understanding or that the effects of that workshop into practice because I was really fascinated to see last night to recognise certain tropes from Phil's course in yeah. what you're doing on stage in, in a way that I haven't seen any other any of the other acts that were on that I haven't really either seen them or I haven't seen them put it into practice so tell me what you've been doing to translate that to, to, to put some of those things into stand up I will um, I, I talked to another comic immediately after doing the course and I was evangelical about it as soon as I did it and he said well what did you learn and I said well the first thing is noticing the audience how they're getting on go, you know checking them out all the time and he goes right so let me get this straight you did a three day course and you learned to look at the crowd <laughs> I'm like alright well if you want to generalise and simplify it and put it in a tiny pigeonhole then, then that's one thing but it's huge and I didn't realise how much I'd forgotten to do that as a stand-up. Check the crowd out. And if they're digging something, just keep going with it. Because they're, they're loving it. Be dictated. Yes. And let let their, what they want dictate your actions. Yes, it's, it's so, much, really so much easier to stick to your crowd. script and think, that joke didn't work, I'll do the next joke in the script. Yeah. Or, or even, that joke worked, good, I'll do the next joke in the script. Yeah. But something that he's really, he really pushes is this idea of you listen to them and you are led by them. Yeah, and I, I, I actually loved in in the class how dismissive he was about your stupid little ideas and your yeah. stupid little stories that no one cares about. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. But that's it's that checking in with the crowd, and it's uh, the more you do it, I found the more I've been doing it, it's the more I've been trusting myself. Just to whatever physical reaction you have in the moment, whatever mental reaction you have in the moment, is a truth and just let it let it out 
and then look at them and, and, and if they're digging it just do what's real for you in that moment and it, it sounds poncy it sounds simple it sounds easy it's it's, it's such a, a weird thing but when you're, it's very satisfying I find as a comedian to be in the moment like that like shortly after I did the course I had a gig in Bristol and I came out and before I got to say anything some woman started laughing hysterically and then I kind of waited for a little bit went to start saying something she laughed hysterically something else and then nothing really happened and then it got to a stage where I paused for a minute and then I just walked straight back off stage and I got a round of applause right and then I came back out and it felt like anything I was going to do after that because they'd just seen a real natural reactive moment of theatre anything I was going to do after that just wasn't going to be as good I want to talk about material and what you want to say on stage and if, if there is something you want to say on stage how does that marry with the idea of improvising and following the funny because I think that's yeah. that, that might be a confusing thing for stand-ups to, to hear or for, I'm, and I'm aware this is, there's lots of people listening to this that aren't stand-ups hello all you lot um, but that might be a confusing thing to hear like we're, we're used to the idea of stand-ups in the classic Bill Hicks mode sure. having a point to make having a thing to express having an attitude being angry about something yeah how does that sit with following the funny um i've i've tried to write like that i've tried to be have points i've tried to be angry about things i've tried to i'm so unpolitical and that you know and i can't fake that and the the way the way it works for me now is I, I made it uh, last year I tried to write an incredibly convoluted very intelligent Edinburgh show for Edinburgh and it was okay <laughs> it wasn't that, it that's was very honest right. of you you know and, uh, I mean I've, uh, no, that I, sentiment I think a lot of people are capable of saying that yeah. sentence yeah <laughs> I mean it, it, by the end of the show like 2011 I loved the show and I was genuinely gutted at the end it was over last year I was delighted it was over and that's how I knew and then I decided this year I'm just going to write stuff that I find funny all I'm going to do for my Edinburgh show for 2013 is write things that I dig what was your what was your convoluted Edinburgh idea show oh my god uh, I think back to it now and I'm like what the fuck was I thinking it's like um, what was the what was the film uh, it's like Shutter Island meets fucking Parkinson it's dreadful <laughs> it was absolutely dreadful dude I, I mean like <laughs> seriously I, I, I was just trying to be so clever and yeah part of, like people really dug it some people really really enjoyed it and there was layers of basically the premise was my dad has Alzheimer's right and I'm reenacting all these characters from his past to try and trigger him out of this new personality that he's created for himself oh to cover the fact that you know his career went tits up and we used like real things that actually happened to my dad in in the thing and I played real characters from his past and, and your dad was in it my dad was in it and and it was you know I mean it was good it was people liked it but I just I I I I, I tried too hard with it, man. And, and it's okay. like, I wasn't playing to my strengths. And this year, I'm just going, right, I'm just going to do funny. And I've got four characters that I'm really digging. And I, I don't have anything to say. I've got these four bizarre characters that, that, that you know, don't have a framework in reality. And um, 
I'm really enjoying doing them because I've been going out open mic circuits and doing like each character individually as, as a short spot at the open okay. open mics and that dude that's been educational okay Jesus I would recommend every comic to get back out on the open mic circuit because you get these nights where everyone's dreadful and then you come on and go this is going to be cool because I'm going to go on and kill it and then you get on stage and you look at them and they're looking at you waiting for you to be shit and why wouldn't you be yeah because yeah. everyone else has been and then you have to dig out of that and, and yeah. battle it other times you get absolute delights there's this dude on the open mic circuit called Mark Silcox have okay. you worked with him ah yes tremendous he's uh, an yeah, older he's guy a, yeah. Asian guy yeah. yes dude, oh man I saw a clip me. of him at the store absolutely he's killed priceless. me I shared that did you see that on my page was that you yeah, yeah, yeah probably yeah. I did yeah yeah, yeah. no it just, just killed me Absolutely kill me. Sorry, mate. I've I've transfer. I've c- covered like eight different topics. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's um. <laughs> how did we get onto? How did we get onto Mark Silcox? You asked me that's... about my joke, right? And I got onto yeah, yeah, Mark yeah. Silcox. No, no. So, so what? So, in terms of your, I think it's a good point about getting back out on the open oh mic circuit so because beautiful. all bets are off. And also, you can yeah. fail. You have permission to fail in exactly. a way that tonight here in Liverpool you don't. No, thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, but you, you could choose to. You could definitely yeah, give yourself yeah. that permission. Maybe definitely. some of the most exciting comics out there. If you look at Phil Kay, I think he gives himself permission to fail all the time. Which my, is... One of my worst gigs ever was when I looked myself in the mirror and said, it doesn't matter if you die, it's okay for you to die. And I went out and died. <laughs> and I was like, why the fuck did I say that? Yeah, yeah. That was one of my worst deaths ever. I'll never, ever, ever forget that death. Jesus Christ. Where was that? Where were you? It was, uh, I can't remember. No, it was, um, it was... Camden Junglers it was about 2008 I'd been a stand up for two years I was doing an opening 20 it's like one of my first opening 20s and I was I had the complacency of having done three good gigs in a row and com- <laughs> there's nothing oh there's nothing more complacent God. than a comedian with three good ones under Fuck his belt <laughs> complacency in stand up is just it's just the worst it's just the same, you know it's that thing you mm. think you've got to figure it out mm. I died so horrendously it was horrible it was 20 minutes of silence and I made sure I did my 20 minutes and I got put to spare the next night and it was a real learning curve uh, spare mm. is you know spare like yeah it's, yeah it's where sure. you um, you have you to turn up in case someone else doesn't yeah you basically get paid for not doing a job but it's, it's really horrible because it's all the cons and none of the pros you still have to go you, you get all the tension the you get all the not in your stomach all in case you go on and, you get and then no, you don't get the gig yeah you get no nice payoff at the end sure um so, so uh, the show that you're taking this year, where it's four different characters. Mm. So, I think what, how we got onto this was the writing and following the funny kind of issue. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so in this show, you just have the the freedom to follow the funny with with everything, with, what with everything that do. you do. You don't. None of those characters has a. I mean, do they do they each have an end point that you're yeah. trying to get to? Yeah, they have. A, there is a script, but I've been trying to experiment in previews. Um, like playing around with it, with it all. But they're, they're, it's it's like one of the characters is they're, they're quite tightly written at the moment, and I've got lots of nice lines in there. But I want to find space to sort of muck about and, and and have them grow a little bit. And it's it's funny. I mean, I, I'm actually going through this process of getting to know the character. This again sounds poncy. But go on, do, this is write, yeah, this yeah, is where I, I wanted to go next. Go on, tell okay, me. I, I I get to know. I feel like I get to know the characters, and the more I do them, the more they became like become like crystallized personalities is in my mind okay. and, and it's like it's it, the, the coat hook that, that I can hang them on it it becomes bigger and more pronounced okay. and they become individually different and, and go their different ways so what are it's you, a really nice process what are the sort of starting points that you use for making a character obviously with Filberto it's a Portuguese flatmate yeah yeah reality what, with, always 
so let's talk about the, who, who are the four you're taking up okay so I've got uh, I've got Troy Hawk who basically is a David Niven type uh, who, who has to deal with uh, he's a David Niven Lausch kind of uh, lazy actor guy who's got up, got by on his charm but now he has to sort of get through a recession hit Britain and take and, a and job did... in Wilkinson's <laughs> okay yeah nice hence the yeah okay yeah um, so where, where did that come from uh, that, that, that came from actors me you know? falling in love with David Niven's uh, audiobook okay uh, d- autobiography it, the language uh, the moon to balloon okay yeah. Um, the second character is a Glaswegian train spotter who thinks he's Adele. And <laughs> that, okay. I don't know how the... F- Where you know did that, that come I'll, from? I'll tell, Go that, on. I'll tell you how that came from. January, I was in Epsom Library. I was like, the fuck am I going to do? So I, I, I went, right, celebrity, job, nationality. I went, Glasgow. Looked, looked just randomly, I saw Adele. A. But, bi- bi- you know, biography, Adele. I went, right. Fuck it, Glaswegian Adele, uh, Glaswegian miner who thinks he's Adele. Gla- 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 right, jobs. Right, what am I going to do? Trains, train spot. <laughs> and then, and then I, I, I said, Glaswegian train spot. I think he's Adele. And um, so then that character came about. I've got a, a Grimsby fish docks worker who has a brain injury and becomes a Scrabble champion. And that, right? I, 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 I'm a bit nervous saying this. I, I did a gig in Cleethorpes and um, that night I was going home I had a curry I was going to watch the UFC I was going back to my hotel in Cleethorpes oh, everything was great and I had this bloke go hey hey Roberto welcome Roberto and I looked over and there was this guy and he went come and have a drink with me I've seen you gig you're really good alright man well I'm, I'll tell you what I'll do I'm going to go home and have this curry and I'll come out and meet you later no intention of doing it yeah, like, yeah, none whatsoever yeah. I was just going to go back watch UFC and go to bed I thought to myself when am I going to be in Cleethorpes on a Sunday night ever again and so I met this guy in, in Hype Bar which is a little bar in Cleethorpes on a Sunday night it was dead and within 10 minutes I realised I was hanging out with the hardest man in Cleethorpes and I thought his I thought what he was saying at first was just all like you know you know when someone's talking you're like alright yeah mate whatever and then I looked at his knuckles right I looked yeah. at the way he was walking I looked at his face I looked in his eyes he was absolutely genuine it was true and this dude was a fascinating character and the bouncers were terrified of him and he told me all about his life and he was wonderful company and um, I, I'm now doing this character based on him like literally the things he said to me but I've given it the twist of this Scrabble champion because I okay. wanted this sort of a juxtaposition with it yes okay and I was, okay. I was really digging Scrabble so, so when you start let's I mean that's that's maybe a clearer example when you, you start with that character yeah. are you going are you you're writing in advance of first going out there yeah or so you've always got gags to do and then in between the gags you're, you're feeling out the, the accent, the voice, the, the yeah, costume? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you write too much, the costume, the accent. The, 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 it's just, it's the same with, with, with chipping away at any piece of material as a stand-up when you're, you're, you're kind of honing it and, and toning it up and trimming the fat off. It's the same with a character. You know, the things that get in the way of telling this little story um, the, the the things that are distracting to the crowd, you know, the details that work, the details that don't work. Same with mannerisms. It's the same thing that you're doing with material, but it's actually with 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 the entire thing, the entire presentation, the entire character. And, and is all of it in in all of that? Are you pursuing what you think is funniest, or is there another agenda of making the character? Rich or believable? What are the kind of what are the principles that you work to? I think they go hand in hand. I think the more real and believable and identifiable character is, the funnier it naturally becomes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, good answer. That's the sting. That's the sting at the end of that. <laughs> Something that you that I always remember you being very good at as Philberto. I remember in particular a gig I saw you at the Comedy Calf some years ago. Must be years ago. Yeah. Um, you were really, really good at being angry with the audience. Yeah. In a way where you were the victim. Yeah. 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 It's a kind of a bizarre mix of high status and low status. Yes. It's like the character perceives his high status, but the audience. I'm letting the audience know he's actually low status. Yes. Um, so is that not that? I mean, that 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 Philberto is very different to what I saw last night. Yeah, and do you know that thing about the, the that that sort of um, unthreatening anger is is one of the positive points that I've had people say like, oh, I miss that, I miss that about the character, and I don't, yeah, I don't quite know like uh, why that isn't there or what what the difference is, and that still could be there, but. If I were to do that now, I think I'd be forcing it. I think it's sort of gone in a different direction. But that was the thing I think people really dug about the way I was doing it back then. But you see, if I mishandled that, yeah. if I wasn't in the right mental frame of mind before a gig, I'd just come across as horrible and angry and aggressive. Okay. And that was, when I was starting out, that was always my danger point. That was my sort of uh, red flag area as a comic. Mm. It's like I'd cover up nerves or, or worry by going on the attack which is such a, a bad thing to do for any comic you know and you see you see, I see comics doing it now and I'm like god I used to do that all the time and, mm. and you know hopefully I won't do it again hopefully I've learned that lesson now but I, I made that mistake so many times when I was starting out such a such a such a bad area to be in like I, there's this kind of there's this idealised mental state that I have before I go on a get and I, I used to think Right, before I go, I don't know if you find this, but sometimes before you go on, you're like, I'm going to have a great gig. I feel amazing. Everything's mm. topped up. I, feel, I know, I know I'm going to have a good mm. gig. And then sometimes you don't have that. And, and you see, what I got to is I wanted to recreate that mental state for every single gig. So I used NLP and I still use it to this day. And I was, t- I was, I was um, talking to uh, Pippa Evans about it. She laughed in my face. But, rightly so, but I hypnotized myself for every gig because Pippa's like brilliant. She can just pop straight in, into character, yes, pop okay. straight out. I can't really do that. I, I have to take myself off and zone myself in. Talk to me about NLP. That's neurolinguistic. Neurolinguistic program. Is this something that you're into? That you've learnt about? What, uh, yeah, what's your relationship? Yeah, to? a little bit. Well, I would. I, basically, I, I trained to be a psychotherapist. I did like a master's in transactional analysis, and I, I was. I had clients. Boom! Was, out of nowhere. Go yeah, on. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was. I've always been like fascinated with that. And then I was. I had clients. I was on my way to get my master's, become a fully qualified psychotherapist. Uh, Psychotherapist, and I, I thought, no, shit, I'm, I'm going to leave this for later on in my life. So I sort of stopped, but I can go back any time. But I was looking at NLP while I was there, and it's this technology of achievement. People agree with it or not. I mean, it's what I do. Basically, the way I use it for gigs is I visualise a really comfortable place that I know. So like a shed in the garden where I grew up, and that basically represents your your subconscious Mm. so it's all about getting sending messages to your subconscious which steers your conscious mind so before a gig i will picture myself in my garden i'll shut my eyes every every gig this is every single thing you do every single gig i'll picture myself in my old garden when i grow up i'll shut my eyes i'll count down from 10 to 0 and then i'll get to this shed right which is my subconscious now before before the shed I'll, i'll have this little um 
sort of waste this this little rubbish bag and I'll take out of my head all the shit that's going to get in the way say I have um, a bizarre chemistry with a comic who's on the bill I'll quite literally pluck them out of my head and throw okay. them in the rubbish bag say okay. I'm worried about a certain issue in my life I don't need to take on stage I'll do that as well and then you count down from 10 till 0 you picture these steps in the shed seriously every gig right and by 0 you're really deep in your own subconscious and then you I, what I find is I tune up all the variables I want like energy focus um, uh, commitment um, by tune up you're, you're imagining like dials t- literally turning up a dial yeah okay and then, and then I, and now I felt so stupid when I first started doing this at gigs. And then the more I did it, it's like, it's like the only way I can get a tangible handle on, on how I feel before a gig. And the more I've done it, the more it's worked. And now I can't do a gig without doing it. So I can create that ideal mental state for me before I go on now a lot a lot of comics would just be like fuck whatever and just go on and do it and they'd be fine like you know the whole time anyway but I kind of need to get myself into that that, I'm fascinated to hear I've I've heard of NLP I know a little bit about it not much more than what you've described and I've uh I've always thought, I mean, uh, my, my listenership will be familiar. Uh, list, uh, newer listeners might not know what a sort of bag of nerves I am, of anxiety and all the rest of it. And I've often thought that something like that would be sensible. One of the things that I've, I don't know how true this is, but I have a preconception that I tend to choke under pressure. Right. If it's an important gig, if I'm being filmed, something like that, I'll right. tend to go, <gasps> I'll be thinking about it in the back of my head. That's a thing I could do with just deleting before I walk on. I suppose my concern from outside the you know any real understanding of it is that if i start programming myself to be to think positive i'm going to lose some sort of sensitivity <laughs> in the gig does that not seem why, why are you laughing it's that... ridiculous because you could why can't you then program yourself to not lose sensitivity in well the i don't the idea <laughs> of pro to me an lp means like kind of magicians and people and kind of going hi there i'm super confident guy and that to me doesn't seem like a state of receiving that you need it's to a, listen I, to an audience i get you i get you i was talking to alan cochran about this right because he's got a, a joke in his set that has the line if you like me and that's classic nlp <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I right. see. Okay, yeah. If you like me, yeah, yeah, and then and then he he didn't even realise that was in there, but since I mentioned it, he he thinks of it every single I time. I mean, it's possible that, that, that he put that in accidentally. Oh, he did. Yeah, he put he that in accidentally. Absolutely. But yeah. What you're suggesting is that 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 programs that, the audience. Ex- that's what you're talking about. That programming thing. Like, I'm not talking about that in any okay. way. I'm talking about like. I mean, I I'm I'm trying to completely wipe my conscious mind as much as I possibly can, just so I'm almost operating on a pure side you can't do that obviously but as much as I can I try and do that because like I said I think that subconscious reactive creative state is, is funnier you know okay. than, 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 the, than the conscious mind an example is like I'm, I'm being in my conscious mind now I'm not being funny at all but on, on stage I'd be very much in my subconscious and it'd be from coming from a totally okay. different place and I think that's also part of the reason why I need the detachment of the character to just sort of get to that get to that thing okay it's almost like the character itself is I mean that that's like a, a an NLP trait to have a character isn't I, it do you think I, from like I, the I, early days of you doing it you, you put something on yeah. that then lets you live through it yeah I don't know if that's necessarily NLP but it's mm. a, that's as a concept yeah you're, you're absolutely right yeah 
Now, NLP is fascinating, but it's. It, I'm not talking about the game. I'm not talking about manipulation. <laughs> You're not walking on and negging your audience. I'm not walking on <laughs> amogging my audience. <laughs> What's amog? I've never heard male of the group. Amogging. Oh my yeah, god. What that is okay. is where you, there's a guy getting loads of attention, and you go up to him and you give him more attention, and that 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 just apparently uh, reverberates around the females of the group, and they're like, "Wow, how confident is this guy? He's praising the confident guy. He's like super confident." Someone so cool. did that to me recently yeah, and me. I was like have I just been that was a bit like yeah, negging, weird. but weirdly what did like he it, do um, uh, he said out loud wow you're really the alpha male of this group <laughs> and I remember thinking what are you that's classic what yeah. like I mean what, normal humans don't say yeah, that what are yeah, you doing yeah exactly exactly he's making he's trying to make everyone question yes that's what it male. felt like yeah, and so yeah. is that so that's so that's not NLP that's something else no that is NLP but it's clumsy NLP is that what you're it's, saying or, or no no I think that's 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 proper game type strategy. Okay. You know, it's uh, that that that's the kind of NLP I'm talking about. The the manipulation. The you know the the other thread of NLP. And again, I'm not an expert on it. Is is that self improvement like um, goal visualization type? Yes. Okay. Type okay. So do you do that like you know, visualizing a. Uh, a successful gig before you go on that, that sort of thing not, like, some, not as much as I, I'm more trying to get my mind ready and trying to get okay. in the right state to, okay. to go on and so, so do you think just maybe less in your own experience of doing this but just talking hypothetically you're yeah. the first person first comic I've talked to with a, with a, that, we, that we've hit upon this with yeah. um, do you think that there are A do you think it's possible that a comedian could deliberately program an audience to react Fuck better yeah. to him and B do you see people doing that do, have you clocked anyone and thought hang on that's that guy doing that yeah I have who yeah. have you seen you need, no I can't I can't I've just I haven't seen like one person do shit loads of it okay. but there are little signals there are little words there are, there are that thing like, like I can't I've definitely seen it because I I've, I've remember going oh shit because I think some people must do it naturally don't they they just yeah, they exactly. behave in a way yeah. like I'm quite charming on stage I do make them like me that's part yeah. of how I relate to the to an audience yeah um, so I wonder if I'm sort of subconsciously saying things that telling them you know telling them they're nice telling it's almost like that thing of going you guys are a great audience I'm, yeah. I'm sure I saw well, Phil it. Nickel yeah. tell someone they were a great audience and turn them into a great audience whilst also being brilliant yeah. he was having he was struggling for all his amazing skill and I love Phil very much um, he's he was he was having a tough gig at the boat one time it was yeah. a, everyone had a tough night and it was like oh crikey what's Phil going to do with this yeah. and he walked on it was tough and he just looked at them and went woo you guys are fantastic <laughs> and you know what I mean and they by the end of the by well by they five were. minutes after that they yeah. were fantastic because he told them and they went alright he yeah. took control of them and he went yeah that's well that's it and he wouldn't he probably wouldn't have even been doing that on a, a conscious no, level no sure certainly. and all the best MCs do that I think all okay. the really good MCs um some some great MCs don't need to. Like I love watching I love watching Roger Monkhouse MC because he, he he's so laid back. He's like he's a prototype MC, so laid back, and he gets the audience into this rhythm and he builds and builds and they he just keeps sort of like he just keeps the laughs rolling in. He makes everyone feel completely at ease and then he, he brings the act on to this wonderful. Yes. Like, yes. But but yeah, there are other MCs that you do control the crowd and 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 they're equally sort of valid ways of MCing. I think I think they're all you know. So, so while we're on psychology, yeah. you wrote an article on Chortle that I thought was brilliant about oh, the thanks, psychology man. of hecklers. Oh, uh, yeah, I yeah. thought that's fascinating. Yeah, I was retweeting that all around the shop. Thanks, so, that, so, I mean, that, that's available online. I'm sure it's still up there on it's Chortle. It's probably still up there on Chortle, yeah. What, what was it called? Uh, I think it was called... Um, 
Oh, shit, knowing you're... Uh, Steve, you see, what, what I do is I send these articles to Steve uh, Bennett at Chortle, and he always puts a far superior title. <laughs> okay. the, he's, okay. like, he's got that um, journalist way of, yes, sort of sure. pulling out a headline sure. kind of thing. And so I can't remember what I called it. I probably called it uh, Hecklers. Yeah, yeah, okay. And he, he, he said, I think he said, knowing your enemy... Uh, yes, that was a it. psychological guide to, to hecklers and heckling or something. Yes. And that was just out of frustration because basically I've got to the stage now when you see a heckler and you look at like like there was one guy the other day in Sway and he was he was horrible. Uh, but he was a black hole. He was a relentless black hole guy. And, and what what I mean by that is that if I'd have or the other comics had engaged him with what he was giving us he had sucked us into his black hole yeah. because he was one of those guys that never would have stopped and he was an angry bitter man and he you know he, he absolutely was the alpha male of his group and he wasn't going to be talked down to in any way and and it's learning like what I've had to learn is to step away from those guys okay. because the, the alpha male in me wants to go I'm on stage I know fucking psychologically or I think I do I probably don't because I think I do know but I know what's going on here and yeah. fuck fuck blah blah and I need to prove to the crowd and that's bollocks that's not funny that's like leave it that's personal and you can tell because you know when you engage with a heckler and the, the audience and you say something you think's really funny and you get them but the audience aren't laughing because you've turned it into a dick measuring contest yeah sure I say okay. you I, I should mean me yeah. I, I've, <laughs> I've turned it into a dick measuring contest and then I've sort of I don't know, why the fuck do I need to do well I've got nothing to prove to this bloke who's heckling because he would love to do what we're doing like mm. I, I fuck him whatever it's just like letting it go dealing with it quickly and then recognising right he's going to be trouble all night just fuck him off you know because if you get stuck on a heckler for too long it can screw your gig even if you even if you're being really funny like I, I had a Christmas gig in Watford and this horrendous table and I was on him for about five minutes and in my head I was going boom boom and I was hitting him getting laughs and I heard one woman on the other side of the room go is this all it's going to be yeah, and right. it screwed me, and then I died. Oh. The next, like, next 10 15 minutes, I died. Wind goes and, out and, the sails. And, and I was thinking, I can't believe I'm getting a result here. Yeah, but you can focus too much on those hecklers, and then then you know everyone else loses interest. Is there is there something of the the psychology as well? To you're talking about the psychology of other comedians. Yeah, a mutual friend of ours once told me that you were very good at dealing with dick swinging amongst comedians backstage because uh, this friend of ours said. Well, think about Milo. He's got a degree in psychology, and uh, he he's really good at like deflecting, like almost like uh, in a martial arts kind of way. Yeah. If someone has that behaviour backstage of going, oh yeah, I've just uh, you know that, that thing that Mark Mayer identified in that brilliant correspondence piece he did. You, where you oh, go, yeah. how are you? Oh, I'm really jet lagged. Yeah. You know that kind of that kind of one-upmanship. Yeah. I yeah. was I was told that you had a particular way of dealing with that on account of your. Oh, I'm trying to think. I probably. I I haven't really do you know what I haven't experienced that for a while because again in the in the way that <laughs> because I because I've been too many, doing too many international groups. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I haven't I in in that in that way like I used to I think what I used to do is I'd take that on as a battle and I used to engage in it and I'd go right now I'm going to you know l- I'm going to pull the basically it's like pulling the ulterior into the present so well, what does that mean okay so you're having a conversation on this level okay so I'm saying how you doing you're saying I'm doing good I'm doing this is uh, what you're actually saying is I, I'm really successful I'm more successful I'm really successful I'm successful as well and it's like yeah. and it's pulling that thread yeah into the reality of the conversation you're having so inst- I think this is probably what the guy's talking about instead of having the 
the, the, the pretend conversation where you're, it's saying what's actually in the room. It's like, it's like, say something, it's like going, you're doing really well, aren't you? I'm yeah, I <laughs> gotcha. I'm, okay, I'm really yeah. proud of you. You're, you're doing so fantastic. So if someone well. goes, oh, I'm, I'm really jet lagged, and you go, oh, that's brilliant. I'm really proud of you. Yeah, yeah, that's like, amazing. That's great. That's really, that's wonderful. Your career's going so well. That's I mean, very Tai Chi. That's like someone, someone goes, strikes you oh, and you go, you come towards, you go with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But I think I don't even bother doing that anymore. I just, I just kind of like there are certain. Like, I think 95% of the comics on the circuit are great and and, and the most interesting amazing people and then you've got the 5% that everyone seems to sort of talk about that, that you know whatever uh, and, and there's some that, that you just kind of just it's like battle it or just don't engage and don't bother sure. and if there is that bitchiness or whatever then fine you don't have to bite as a comic I don't have to bite I don't have to get involved I don't have to you know and, and god I hope I don't do it to other people I think it's impossible to know that you definitely don't but I really hope that I never turn into one of those dudes that, that that is pushing that thing, and I'm not even aware of what I'm saying, and I'm I'm being a dick. I really hope I'm never that guy because I've I've experienced quite a lot of that. And whenever I see sort of like if I'm at a gig and there's a ten, I always try and sort of remember like how I wanted to be. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm still doing tens, aren't I? Like, sure. But but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> What do you want to do next with comedy? What's your goal? What's your... I don't know if you're into five-year or ten-year plans, no, but, but ge- I should be. And generally, what do you want out be. of it? You've got a baby on the way? I Yeah, I've got a baby in November, which has actually made me sort of knuckle down, take things a little bit more seriously. I just want to be good right now. I'm, I, I just want to be as good as I can be. I just want to be as funny as I possibly can be. Ideally... What I'd like to, to be is I'd like to be one of those guys who's considered for, like, the TV uh, character comedy bits, the odd bit here and there. I don't I don't necessarily... I'd be awful on a panel show. I've got no interest in that. I just want to be uh, the quirky character guy who, who, who could be in this for a bit or that for a bit. Or I don't, I don't have um, a similar sort of mainstream stand-up ambition of doing live at the Apollo or whatever. You know, if anything like that happened, great, but that's not what I'm focused on I just want to I want to be as good as possible I want to yeah maybe get into TV um, a bit more like I, do you know what I'm, I'm having a great time I'm really enjoying gigging and, and I know there's going to be a next thing and whatever that thing is is, is, is coming and what have you but uh, yeah I'm, I'm pretty happy at the moment man, to be honest what sort of looking looking out at other kind of acts what sort of acts have you seen recently that have impressed you Right. And why? Right. What okay. sort of thing is it that's that's floating your boat? The, the thing I I I, I I I I like unusual quirky things like in movies. The thing that turns me off about a movie is if I can if I can predict what's going to happen, and I like to just be totally surprised by films, by comedy. Um, and that's why, like Game of Thrones, for example, the other day, like <laughs> no, it's, it's going to become like a real obvious. But that series three, episode nine, I, it's something that just smacks you around the face. Like, where did that come from? That's what I like. And for that reason, I like people like Phil Kay. I loved Mark Silcox. I saw him recently. Mm. I can't, I can't recommend people check out, check him out enough. <coughs> I like anyone who, who who's just got that. I saw a guy recently. I thought was really strong, really good writing. A guy called Mark Simmons. Yes, yes, him? yes, I've yeah, worked with Mark, he's, he's very funny. He's coming up. Julian Dean is, for my money, like, he's a mate, but I think he's one of the most underrated comics out there. His writing is f- 
fucking I haven't amazing. gigged with Julian in years. Oh, and my God. I remember thinking, wow. Like, when I, was, yeah. I, must, I must have last gigged with him, I think, some gig in Kent, maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. And I was blown away in that way that you're faintly scared by someone. You think, yeah. like, oh, man, they're going to, you know, yeah. take off. Yeah. Um, I haven't gigged with him much, and I can only think that he's been lying in wait, getting even better. Oh, he's right. Ready he's, to hit anywhere. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean that 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 needs to happen for him because he's he's such a he's such a good writer, mm-hmm. and if you look at his Twitter feed, it's just bang 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 like hit after hit after hit. Yeah. Uh, I think Kai's great. Kai Humphreys, he's a mate of mine, but he's he's got a lovely sort of style. Uh, he's got a lovely way about him. I think uh, Joe Rountree's going to be one to look out for in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. There, he's a mate as well. Phil, but but really for me, like Doctor Brown, Phil Burgers, Phil K. Ian Cognito, people that you just don't know what the fuck they're going to do. Yeah, I can't know? wait to see Cox's show. I'm going to try oh, and get him on the Oh, God, paper. yeah, Cox is up in Edinburgh. And, yeah. and, and I really want to try and get to see a preview just in case he doesn't make it for whatever reason. <laughs> you know, I, I, tried to, I tried to go and see him at a gig the other week and um, I was just about to leave to go and he sort of texted me and, and said, oh, I've had a, you know, I, I love him. He's like, I, I never, when I was starting out, he was like paternal to me. He was just the sweetest guy in the world. And um, yeah. I think he's phenomenal. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Cogs as a person, and I think as an act, he's brilliant. Yeah, he is amazing. And Adam Bloom as well. And you check out, like, it's, we're, we're, you know, I mean, he's just an artist with what he does. Yeah, yeah, he really is. So let, just as a, to to wrap up then, as a, as a final question, yeah. do you how do you see the job of comedy? Do you see yourself as an entertainer or, or an artist? Entertainer. And is that flat out? No, because I'm already starting to change my mind. Fuck, dude. Fuck, I think I, I think I see myself as an artist, but I instantly thought entertainer. But, but then when I think about how I'd, so the images I'd associate each of those words with. Yeah. I would go with artist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why is that? Because. I feel like ultimately, and it's not yet there yet. I think I'm still work in progress, as most comedians are, because mm-hmm. you're always evolving. But I think I'm working towards a natural product. Um, what you know, if 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 I, if I can keep going, I'm going. I'm, I'm working towards producing something that's natural and real. And I think that's more in line with being an artist than being an entertainer. An entertainer might be someone who is a good TV presenter who can smile and make people feel relaxed and an artist is, is someone who's who's sort of producing something very different to that something a bit challenging or different or unique to them maybe that would be that 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 might be it I think that might be it yeah something that's unique if, you, if you're out there doing something that's completely unique to you uh, with no feet marked around it I think you're more of an artist than an entertainer and that's what I hope I'm doing and what I hope I keep moving towards so you're, you're doing Edinburgh this year yeah. what time and when? Uh, I'm in the Gilded Balloon 5 o'clock I'm doing a show called Skits uh, which is spelled S-C-H-I-Z which everyone instantly pronounces as shiz <laughs> thank you <laughs> Jesus it's, so, it's, it's, it's yeah. supposed to be skits and also play on the word skits but everyone just says oh shiz <laughs> well there you go there's there's the angle of your uh, 
your marketing when you get up there yeah. it's pronounced and then do like a phonetic thing and do badges Skits. and posters go on all your posters and slap stickers on going it's pronounced dude I, you just just got you to turn the microphone on to plug my end show and you give me a whole marketing stretch <laughs> fucking remarkable and it's a good one as well that's cool I'm doing that and, and I'm, I'm on Twitter as well uh, Milo Comedy so at please, Milo please Comedy. add me on that because I'm shit on Twitter I've only got like 700 people I've got to start really plugging at that I haven't given it anything Thanks, man. Yeah, pleasure. So that was Milo. Great stuff there. Fascinating. I'm definitely going to start wandering up to my mental shed with a bag or whatever it is. I've built my own one of those. I've I've dabbled in that before. I'm I'm very interested, as a lot of you will know, in Darren Brown and psychology and and magic and those kind of things. And I think, uh, although they're not necessarily as linked as some might have you believe, uh, I think things like NLP and trying to cure wobbles and anxiety and speed wobbles, you know, by um, by positive visualization. Maybe that's a thing. I find it very hard to say the word positive visualization without feeling like a kind of creepy Tom Cruise guy. But it works for Milo, and uh, let's let, let's all have a think about that. <laughs> Please welcome to the show Ben Lund Conlon, who is the new ComComPod Skivvy. You'll remember, you'll remember me a couple of weeks ago asking for some. Uh, unpaid, uh, time-consuming, boring help. <laughs> and uh, Ben is uh, in charge of that currently. He'll be helping me here at the uh, the ComCom lay-by, serving crisps and so forth. Uh, and any tweets or messages you get which have BLC on the end are from him. But guys, he is totally with me. He's a really good dude and uh, he's going to help me with a lot of stuff. Um, I would like to particularly highlight as well this week uh, the work of Graham Cropford. I always thank him because he's my sound engineer and he set up all my settings to master the show, help me with uh, hosting it and all the rest of it. But he has also, we hope, fingers crossed, we has, we, he has saved an episode that uh, that got corrupted uh, where I interviewed the absolutely fantastic Jarlath Reagan, who is a brilliant Irish comic, just newly moved to the UK. Um, hopefully that episode will be out next week, provided I get my skates on. So thanks to Graham Crockford for sorting that out and for everything else he's done. Thanks to Dan Melrose, uh, to everyone that replied for the intern request. I'll get to you all in due course and to you, the listener, for listening. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. It's never too late to share this episode massively with your friends. I don't have, I don't have a, a donate button just yet or any means by which you can show me your appreciation financially. Save the live shows. So if you want to help the show... Just pick your favourite episode. Maybe it was Adam Blue, maybe it was Phil Burgers or or Celia Pacola or, or Tom Gleason. any of these guys. Pick your favourite episode and just send it to a friend. Just email a friend a link, put it on their Facebook page, tweet them. Comedy together we'll crack it. <laughs> you don't that's not a that's not a phrase you have to tweet. That's just me thinking, yeah, come on guys, let's do it. Right? Alright guys? Awesome. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. <laughs>